Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends of the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. And when you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see a little drop down, and there you'll find read ACIMOE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign-Up, where you can sign up to receive a daily excellent email from the Course in Miracles Society that includes both the text reading that we share Monday through Friday, as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of the Manual for Teachers with question number 12. How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or fear, for you surround me, and in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. What a gorgeous lesson today. And of course, as you might imagine, there's a plethora of beautiful poems um, for this sentiment. Uh, but today I turn to the poet of happiness, whom I consider uh, to be Hafiz. A beautiful book called I Heard God Laughing. But anyway, I found this poem called Keeping Watch from Hafiz. <clears throat> it goes like this. In the morning when I began to wake, it happened again. That feeling that you, beloved, had stood over me all night keeping watch. That feeling that as soon as I began to stir, you put your lips on my forehead and lit the holy lamp inside my heart. Once again, in the morning when I began to wake, it happened again. That feeling that you, beloved, had stood over me all night keeping watch. That feeling that as soon as I began to stir, you put your lips on my forehead and lit the holy lamp inside my heart. For you surround me. Amen. Oh, I love it. Oh, that was good. Thank you. That was so sweet. So sweet. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah. Great. My, dad, my dad or my mom used to do that to me when I was a little tiny girl. Thank you. Oh, how precious. <clears throat> One of those poems in the goosebump category. I love it. So thanks, you guys. Alrighty. By way of reading today, we have Lemoyne, Fran, Jennifer, Jessica, Karen, Lana, and Robin Marie. And let's see, has anyone else joined us that we don't know about yet? Please announce yourself or uh, let us know you're here. Well, we're glad you are. <laughs> Alrighty. So here we go in the Manual for Teachers, Section 12 for Question 12. How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? The answer to this question is one. 
one holy perfect teacher whose learning is complete suffices this one sanctified and redeemed becomes the self who is the son of God he who was always Holy Spirit now no longer sees himself as a body or even as in a body therefore he is limitless and being limitless his thoughts are joined with God's forever and ever his perception of himself is based upon God's judgment not his own thus does he share God's will and bring his thoughts to still deluded minds he is forever one because he is as God created him he has accepted Christ and he is saved uh, all right uh, manual part 12 how many teachers of God are needed to save the world the answer to this question is one one holy perfect teacher whose learning is complete suffices this one sanctified and redeemed becomes the self who is the son of God he who was always Holy Spirit now no longer sees himself as a body <clears throat> or even as in a body therefore he is limitless and being limitless his thoughts are joined with God's forever and ever his perception of himself is based upon God's judgment not his own <clears throat> thus does he share God's will and bring his thoughts to still deluded minds he is forever one because he is as God created him he has accepted Christ and he is saved thus does the Son of Man become the Son of God it is not really a change it is a change of mind nothing external altered but everything internal now reflects only the love of God God can no longer be feared for the mind sees no cause for punishment God's teachers appear to be many for that is the world's need yet being joined in one purpose and one they share with God how could they be separate from each other what does it matter if they then appear in many forms their minds are one their joining is complete and God works through them now as one for that is what they are thank you Lemoyne and Fran two <clears throat> thus does the Son of Man become the Son of God it is not really a change it is a change of mind nothing external alters but everything internal now reflects only the love of God God can no longer be feared for the mind sees no cause for punishment God's teachers appear to be many for that is the world's need yet being joined in one purpose and one they share with God 
How could they be separate from each other? What does it matter if they then appear in many forms? Their minds are one. The joining is complete. And God works through them now as one, for that is what they are. Three, why is the illusion of many necessary? Only because reality is not understandable to the deluded. Only a very few can hear God's voice at all, and even they cannot communicate his messages directly through the spirit which gave them. They need a medium through which communication becomes possible to those who do not realize that they are spirit. A body they can see, a voice they can understand, and listen to without the fear that truth would encounter in them. Do not forget that truth can come only where it is welcome without fear. So do God's teachers need a body for their unity could not be recognized directly? Thank you, Fran. Uh, Jennifer. Why is the illusion of many necessary? Only because reality is not understandable to the deluded. Only if you can hear God's voice at all, and even they cannot communicate his messages directly through the Spirit which gave them. They need a medium through which communication becomes possible to those who do not realize that they are spirit. A body they can see. A voice they understand and listen to without the fear that truth would encounter in them. Do not forget that truth can come only where it is welcomed. (laughs) I'm going to read that again. Do not forget that truth can come only where it is welcomed without fear. So do God's teachers need a body or their unity could not be recognized directly. Four, yet what makes them God's teachers is their recognition of the, of the proper purpose of the body. As they advance in their pro- profession, they become more and more certain that the body's function is but to let God's voice speak through, through it human ears and these ears will carry to the mind of the hear hear messages which are not of this world and the mind will understand because because of their source from this understanding will come the recognition in this new teacher of God of what the body's purpose really is the only use there really is for it this lesson is enough to let the thought of unity come in and what is one is recognized as one the teachers of God appear to share the illusion of separation but because of what they use the body for they do not believe in the illusion despite appearances 
Thank you, Jennifer. Um, and Jessica. Okay, I'll just go back one sentence. So do God's teachers need a body, for their unity could not be recognized directly. Four, yet what makes them God's teachers is their recognition of the proper purpose of the body. As they advance in their profession, they become more and more certain that the body's function is but to let God's voice speak through it to human ears. And these ears will carry to the mind of the hearer messages which are not of this world, and the mind will understand because of their source. From this understanding will come the recognition of this new teacher of God, of what the body's purpose really is, the only use there really is for it. This lesson is enough to let the thought of unity come in, and what is one is recognized as one. The teachers of God appear to share the illusion of separation, but because of what they use the body for, They do not believe in the illusion, despite appearances. Five, the central lesson is always this, that what you use the body for, it will become to you. Use it for sin or for attack, which is the same as sin, and you will see it as sinful. Because it is sinful, it is weak. And being weak, it suffers and it dies. Use it to bring the word of God to those who have it not, and the body becomes holy. Because uh, the body becomes holy. Because it is holy, it cannot be sick, nor can it die. When its usefulness is done, it is laid by, and that is all. The mind makes this decision as it makes all decisions which are responsible for the body's condition. Yet the teacher of God does not make this decision alone. To do that would be to give the body another purpose from the one that keeps it holy. God's voice will tell him when he has fulfilled his role, just as it tells him what his function is. He does not suffer, either in going or remaining. Sickness is now impossible to him. I think you're on mute, Laurie. I'm so sorry. Uh, Thank you, Jessica. And uh, Karen, please. Yes, I think someone was unmuted before. Five, the central lesson is always this, that what you use the body for, it will become to you. Use it for sin or for attack, which is the same as sin, and you will see it as sinful. Because it is sinful, it is weak, and being weak, it suffers and it dies. 
Use it to bring the word of God to those who have it not, and the body becomes holy. Because it is holy, it cannot be sick, nor can it die. When its usefulness is done, it is laid by, and that is all. The mind makes this decision, as it makes all decisions which are responsible for the body's condition. Yet the teacher of God does not make this decision alone. To do that would be to give the body another purpose from the one that keeps it holy. God's voice will tell him when he has fulfilled his role, just as it tells him what his function is. He does not suffer either in going or remaining. Sickness is now impossible to him. Six, oneness and sickness cannot coexist. God's teachers choose to look on dreams a while. It is a conscious choice, for they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise. But who would put his faith in dreams once they are recognized for what they are? Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die. Yet they are not deceived by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams. And it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream, beyond all seeing, and yet surely theirs. Thank you, Karen Um, and Lana. Okay, six. Oneness and sickness cannot coexist. God's teachers choose to look on dreams a while. It is a conscious choice, for they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise, but who would put his faith in dreams? once they are recognized for what they are. Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die. Yet they are not deceived by what they see. They They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams. And it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream, beyond all seeing, and yet surely theirs. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, everyone who read this this morning. Um, I don't know.
Do we, would we like to read this? Here's a couple things. We could read it again straight through uh, to make sure everybody uh, who's joined us since we began gets a chance to read, or uh, we could go from here and read the entire What is a Miracle? Uh, or we could open the floor right now. Is there consensus or thoughts about that? Anyone? I'd I love think to we read should it read it again. again. I, I think getting it well. Yeah. I, I hear. I'm hearing. Read it again. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. righty. And thank That's, you. I love this. I love this section. Oh, it's so many pearls strung together in one piece. Um, so let's see. I've counted paragraphs to six. Robin Marie hasn't had a chance to read yet, so of course you can lead us off, Robin Marie. And who else has joined us would like to read this morning? This is Mindy, and I can. <laughs> okay, I have it up. Great. Yep. You'll be a paragraph, too. And who else? This is Sandra. I can read. Marvelous. Sandra, paragraph three, if that's okay. Anyone else like to read? Jennifer doesn't need to read. Okay. There are others here. I want I want you to have an opportunity. I put up Judy. Thank you, Lori. Judy will read four. Perfect. Anyone else? Patricia here, listening, hon. Thank you. Okay, sweetie. I'm I'm glad to hear you. Thank you. Alrighty, so we've got the list, Robin Marie 1, Mindy 2, Sandra 3, Judy 4, Lana, if you could do 5, and Karen, let's see, uh, Karen, you can do 6 again, if that's alright with you. Sure, thank you. Alrighty, and I'm going to be just so happy to listen to this harmony. If you want to go ahead and start us off, Robin Marie. We're in Manual for Teachers 12. How many teachers of God are needed to save the world? The answer to this question is, quote, one, unquote. One holy, perfect teacher whose learning is complete suffices this one, sanctified and redeemed, becomes the self who is the Son of God. He who was always Holy Spirit now no longer sees himself as a body or even as in a body. Therefore, he is limitless. And being limitless, his thoughts are joined with God's forever and ever. His perception of himself is based upon God's judgment, not his own. Thus does he share God's will and bring his thoughts to still deluded minds. He is forever one because he is as God created him. He has accepted Christ and he is saved.
Uh, Mindy, are you ready? Uh, yes. <clears throat> Actually, no, but I'll just take a second. Paragraph two. Thus, I'm just going to say the last thing. He has accepted Christ and he is saved. Thus does the Son of Man become the Son of God. It is not really a change. It is a change of mind. Nothing external alters, but everything internal now reflects only the love of God. God can no longer be feared, for the mind sees no cause for punishment. God's teachers appear to be many, for that is the world's need. Yet, being joined in one purpose and one they share with God, how could they be separate from each other? What does it matter if they then appear in many forms? Their minds are one, their joining is complete, and God works through them now as one, for that is what they are. Three, why is the illusion of many necessary? Only because reality is not understandable to the deluded. Only a very few can hear God's voice at all. And even they cannot communicate his messages directly through the spirit which gave them. They need a medium through which communication becomes possible to those who do not realize that they are spirit. A body they can see, a voice they understand and listen to without the fear that truth would encounter in them. Do not forget that truth can come only where it is welcomed, without fear. So do God's teachers need a body, for their unity could not be recognized directly. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, what makes them God's teachers is their recognition of the proper purpose of the body. As they advance in their profession, they become more and more certain that the body's function is but to let God's voice speak through it to human ears. And these ears will carry to the mind of the hearer messages which are not of this world and the mind will understand them because of their capital source. From this understanding will come the recognition in this new teacher of God of what the body's purpose is and only use there really is for it. This lesson is enough to let the thought of unity come in. And what is one is recognized as one. The teachers of God appear to share the illusion of separation, but because of what they use the body for, they do not believe in the illusion, despite appearances. Thank you. Five, the central lesson is always this, that what you use the body for, it will become to you. Use it for sin or for attack 
which is the same as sin, and you will see it as sinful. Because it is sinful, it is weak, and being weak, it suffers and and it dies. Use it to bring the word of God to those who have it not, and the body becomes holy. Because it is holy, it cannot be sick, nor can it die. When its usefulness is done, it is laid by, and that is all. The mind makes this decision, and it makes, as it makes, all decisions which are responsible for the body's condition. Yet the teacher of God does not make this decision alone. To do that would be to give the body another purpose from the one that keeps it holy. God's voice will tell him when he has fulfilled his role, just as it tells him what his function is. He does not suffer either in going or remaining. Sickness is now impossible to him. Six. Oneness and sickness cannot coexist. God's teachers chose to look on dreams a while. It is a conscious choice, for they have learned that all choices are made consciously with full awareness of their consequences. The dream says otherwise, but who would put his faith in dreams once they are recognized for what they are? Awareness of dreaming is the real function of God's teachers. They watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die. Yet they are not deceived by what they see. They recognize that to behold a dream figure as sick and separate is no more real than to regard it as healthy and beautiful. Unity alone is not a thing of dreams. And it is this God's teachers acknowledge as behind the dream, beyond all seeing, and yet surely theirs. Oh, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. And let's go ahead and open the floor for um, 10 minutes or so before the top of the hour. Well, since nobody has spoken up, I would like to share something from the text that I opened up to this morning. I was having challenges with, with healing in the body and looking to see myself as innocent in spirit and, and succeeding in a little bit and then falling back. But this was, this was a wonderful paragraph, and it talks about you know, getting from there to here to knowing that we're not a body. How does it serve you? You have identified with the thing you hate, which is the body, the instrument of vengeance and the perceived source of your guilt. You have done this to a thing that has no meaning, proclaiming it to be the dwelling place of the Son of God, of course we're referring to the body, and turning it against him. This is the host of God that you have made. And neither God nor his most holy Son can enter an abode which harbors hate. 
and where you have sown the seeds of vengeance, violence, and death. This thing made to serve your guilt stands between you and other minds. The minds are joined, but you do not identify with them. You set yourself as locked to yourself as locked in a separate prison, remote and unreachable, as inescapable of reaching out as being reached. You hate the prison that you made and would destroy it, yet you would not escape from it, leaving it unharmed, without your guilt upon it, that only this can you escape. Only this can you escape, the guilt. The, um, let me say it again. Um, <clears throat> yet you would not escape from it, leaving it unharmed, without your guilt upon it, but only this can you escape. The home of vengeance is not yours. The place you set aside to house your hatred is not a prison, but an illusion of yourself. Whoa. <laughs> the body is the limit imposed on universal communication, which is an eternal property of mind. But the communication is internal. Mind reaches to itself. It is not made up of different parts which reach each other not. It does not go out. Within itself, it has no limits, and there is nothing outside of it. It encompasses everything. It encompasses your, you entirely, you within it, and in within you. There is nowhere else, anywhere or ever, that the body is outside you and seems to surround you. But all minds are joined. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to stop it right there. It's just That was so perfect for me to get from feeling out the body in pain that couldn't be healed to that, that one statement, the body is an illusion of myself. It's like, thank you, God, I'm willing to have that illusion be changed to the true perception of what it is and see that the body is not an impediment to the true joining of mind, which this, this reading talks about. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was so on point, Mindy. Thank you very much. And every time I have that fear, you know, and the, the pain in the body becomes real, this one thought that the body is an illusion, that, and, and I can trust that the, the, the Holy Spirit, my true self, the wholeness inside of me knows the truth, and I can allow that to be my awareness. I can step back and allow that part of me, that truth, that God, that life, to actually dispel the illusion gently through God's grace. And all I need to do is ask. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. And being a teacher of God, for me to allow this teaching, the retraining of my mind to the truth, this, this goes with being a teacher. I, I, I teach what I learn, and I learn what I teach. So to, it feels like maybe it's a step backwards because this already acknowledges that minds are joined. But we all know we have those step backwards. So this is just perfect for me to remind myself that I am a teacher of God because there is that who within me knows the truth 
and not only when I allow it to teach me. I am not healed alone. When I allow that part of me that doesn't know to learn and to trust and to just evaporate so that the, the true mind is now my experience, I am teaching in that moment that I allow myself to be taught and healed. I'm now complete. Thank you, Mindy. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is Lana. You know, it's it's kind of um, it's almost a funny uh, that um, Jesus is, is <laughs> somewhere in the course it says, "Swear not not to die, you holy Son of God." And <clears throat> my life, most of my adult life, has been about dancing around that. You know, um, years ago, I. I got so sick I had the last rites and came to death door. I have um, had many, um, not many, but a few near-death experiences. And just, I guess it was about seven or eight years ago, I was diagnosed with a fatal lung disease and I wasn't supposed to live for a year, more than a year. And and um, and all of my uh, adventures body adventures have only <laughs> proven to me. It's like Jesus is saying, don't you get it? You can't die, holy son of God. <laughs> and I keep trying to prove it wrong. Uh, the ego mentality is so hilarious. It's so ridiculous. This spirit that exists, that I am, um, will not die, you know, and it has nothing to do with the body one way or another. I, you know, I think we try to make it be about the body, but um, who I am, the awareness of who I am as the son of God, that's that's eternal and it's not going to change. You know, it's, you know, the experiences I that I had have shown me that this consciousness, this awareness of being, of existence, continues whether I'm in the body or out of it and um, and I trust it so I don't know what this dance around death is all about you know maybe it's just extracurricular sports or something I try to play with reality I don't know I don't worry about it anymore um, I just um, stay present and try to keep my sense of humor about it all you know and um, you know when the experience I have um, when I need this body, you know, that's a surprise. You know, I, I have some indication. I've had a few glimpses of it, um, but I won't know it until it happens. So I can really torment myself and stay in fear about it, or I can welcome it and say, oh, it's the next exciting leg of this journey of immortality, this this. Um, experience of my eternal nature <laughs> and um, and bless it and love it because I found that returning to the unity of the oneness that I am with all of you and with God um, returning to that thought is with the returning to love's awareness and that is the remedy for anything that's unlike love you know, it just transforms it into love. So um, 
I'm swearing not to die. <laughs> I continue. And um, God keeps proving to me that that is true. So I'm complete. Love it, Lana. Oh, thank you, Lana. Yeah, thank Three you, Lana. cheers. That's, that's awesome, you. Lana. Thank you. Well, it was a perfect segue. Oh, 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 go ahead, okay. Sandra. I was just clock watching. Yeah. It's nothing. All right, I usually go quickly, but um, and no buts. <laughs> um, for <laughs> me, the the body is is the communication device. It's completely neutral. The challenge is is that I make the body into a noun rather than a verb. I identify with being a body, and and I that's not my identity. My identity is that I am spirit and that I'm using this body to communicate the love of God. And and so the body is like a verb. <laughs> it's not a noun. And it says, how many teachers of God are needed to save the world? And it's only one. So it encourages me that as this as I'm refining this communication device, which is my job as the Holy Spirit <laughs> and and be becoming the Holy Spirit, but I'm in process with that. So so every step I take brings me and everybody else to that one, to that all it's, all that's necessary is one because we're all connected. So every movement that I make of correction of of the ego mind that still resides in me, correcting that ego mind and putting it in its proper place, um, which is, it's, it's a verb too. It'll, it follows the direction of my true identity, which is a cherished daughter of God. I'm complete. Oh, I love where you ended that, Sandra. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. That was just lovely. Yes, yeah. I love that too. Thank this you, Sandra. Cherished, just precious. Um, let's take our break, shall we? Uh, to reflect on what is a miracle and how we are surrounded and upheld by this love constantly. So, Fran, once again, we'll look to you uh, to lead us this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you, and thanks, everybody. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is What is a Miracle? And today's lesson is Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. So I shall read some from What is a Miracle, and then we'll go to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. Okay? What is a miracle? A miracle is a correction. It does not create nor really change at all. It merely looks on devastation and reminds the mind that what it sees is false. It undoes error, but does not attempt to go beyond perception nor exceed the function of forgiveness. Thus it stays within time's limits. 
yet it paves the way for the return of timelessness and love's awakening, for fear must slip away under the gentle remedy it gives. A miracle contains the gift of grace, for it is given and received as one. And thus it illustrates the law of truth the world does not obey because it fails entirely to understand its ways. A miracle inverts perception, which was upside down before, and thus it ends the strange distortions that were manifest. Now is perception open to the truth. Now is forgiveness seen as justified. We'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Father, let me remember you are here and I am not alone. Surrounding me is everlasting love. I have no cause for anything except the perfect peace and joy I share with you. What need have I for anger or for fear? Surrounding me is perfect safety. Can I be afraid when your eternal promise goes with me? Surrounding me is perfect sinlessness. What can I fear when you created me in holiness as perfect as your own? God's grace suffices us in everything that he would have us do. And only that we choose to be our will as well as his. Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear. For you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Five minutes.
Lesson 348. I have no cause for anger or for fear, for you surround me. And in every need that I perceive, your grace suffices me. Amen. Beautiful. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you, friend. That was just glorious. Good morning. It's Karen. Um, my heart is pounding. I was so anxious to share about this lesson. Um, earlier, I had this meditation and. I was meditating on how it was easier to believe once upon a time that God was with me all the time and that nothing happened randomly to me um, because I had gurus and physical bodies. My first guru um, was a very small, intimate group, and if I was having a conversation with someone and it went awry, and I wasn't with my teacher, But then days later, he would tell me exactly what was wrong with the conversation directly. I mean, it would blow my mind that he was aware of everything that happened to me in every moment when I wasn't with him. And then I had a second guru um, years later. And I want to give an example of that. But first, I want to go back to the lesson that I have nothing to be afraid of. And I have nothing to be angry about. Anger and fear are both um, alignment to my ego mind. Fear is the foundation of the ego's thought system. This is a course in miracles, a course in correction to the truth from the misidentification of ego uh, falsehood, not reality, to the truth of the Holy Spirit's reality, the truth of love, peace, unity, light, benevolent universe of of all my needs being met. It said yesterday in our reading that the Holy Spirit knows the past, the present, the future. He knows the, the big picture. He knows and understands everything. It's not subjective, limited understanding like my ego. So when I turn over my my life and my will to my Holy Spirit guide, um, everything is perfect. Everything happens perfectly. In that alignment, all my needs are, are met, and God knows all my needs. So even if I'm physically seemingly, seemingly sick, or even if I don't seem to have enough money, or whatever the, whatever the external picture looks like, the appearances of that, it doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit is completely, totally in charge. I can trust it. But I was thinking in my meditation this morning, it still was so much easier when I had physical guru. Um, It feels a little less, it feels more random. And I find myself asking other people to pray for this and other people to pray for that, especially my daughter. And um, so there's a part of me that's not completely sure that I can just let go and all my needs are in God, that God's grace 
suffices. And then this memory came to me, and I'll try to abbreviate it as much as I can. In 2000, I was on kitchen staff at the ashram in California for AMA. I was in veggie prep supervisor, and we chopped all the vegetables and served, you know, 2,000 people meals for the day or whatever, three veggie prep supervisors. And at 6 o'clock in the morning when I was on my way to my shift, someone in the ashram came up to me and said, during the break, can you take the laundry to town and do 70 loads of laundry? And there were a whole bunch of people. It was like 15 of us were taking the van and going to do the laundry. And, you know, my heart, my shift is hard, and I thought, okay, I'm not tired. I can do that. And at 2.30, we left. We left the ashram, and we went. And I had to have a person cover for me because it was my turn to stay during our break. So I went up to my coworker, who was an emergency room nurse for 40 years, and asked her if she could cover so I could go to town and do the laundry. And part of me was going, are you sure you want to do the laundry? I mean, it's like then you're going to be working like straight through for so many hours. And I just kept thinking, no, I'm not tired. And uh, anyway, there were two huge propane tanks in the veggie prep section stand like right next to my cutting board, right next to my cutting board. I worked there at that spot all morning. And uh, after we left at 2.30, at 2.45, those two propane tanks exploded. And the woman who um, took over my shift had collected all the compost and she went to feed the chickens. So she was not standing there. After the veggie prep propane tanks exploded, the Indian kitchen and the Western kitchen simultaneously exploded. All the propane tanks in both of those tents exploded. Four Indian women were critically injured and two of the Western chefs were also um, critically wounded. The point was, the Holy Spirit knew all my needs were met. Probably I would have not survived trauma like that very well because of my background. I mean, I used to always think that Alma was torturing me because of my projection about my, my own biological mother. But the people who were left behind were nurses. It was the most miraculous thing in the world, the most miraculous thing. And it was physical reality. My younger sister, who's taking care of my mother in California, she was um, a serving supervisor, and she had just walked all the condiments into the refrigeration truck and walked out, and the truck blew. We have to sort of um, internalize that faith, that kind of faith, all the time. God is with us. All my needs are met. There is a perfect plan. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to fear. And I don't have to resist what is. Anger is resistance to what is. It's non-acceptance of what the Holy Spirit wants you to work with. Or it's purification, which, is, which just means you shift into witnessing a mode and forgiveness. Anyway, I'm sorry if that was too long. I'm complete. Oh, don't be. I loved hearing every, every iota of that. It was beautiful. Thank you so much, Karen.
Yes, thank me too, Karen. What a gorgeous year. Thank you. Very exciting story. Hi, guys. Thank you, Karen. I want to uh, go ahead, Robin Marie, you're up. I just was going to say, the Holy Spirit just guides and takes care of us so, I mean, miraculously. Thank you. Thank you, Alva Marie. I really love the lesson today. Um, speaking of the state of grace, and I'm, the only need I have is to remember I'm one with my source. I know the answer to the question, how many does it take, um, is one. This one is sanctified and redeemed, becomes the self. Who is the Son of God? If God created it, the reality of who we are is one, not many. That the function of the, the teacher of God is it's the awareness of dreaming, being aware that, that the waking life is a dream. And it speaks so clearly of this in the last paragraph that they watch the dream figures come and go, shift and change, suffer and die, yet they are not deceived by what they see. And, you know, it's holy, purely one-mindedness. And our spirit is our reality, capital reality, that our reality is purely mind in the service of spirit in its unity and state of grace. This is what I understand is I am the kingdom of God. And I've, I've really been, been um, just in reverence of the sacred words, I am. You know, that I am not a body. That I am not Judy. <laughs> Judy thinks she is I am. But I am, the words I am are sacred words and belong only to Christ's consciousness to me. You know, what Judy thinks and says, she's a role player on the stage of a great big dream. And this is what I need to recognize is the truth that I could know this is the truth that I, I am cannot be claimed by Judy. Judy thinks, Judy sees, Judy tastes, Judy touches. I am sees and tastes and touch, hears and speaks from itself to itself, everywhere, all the time. That's the oneness. That's the unity. That's what saves the world from Judy. Judy's perception, interpretation, distortion, thinking that she's a somebody doing something with a separate mind, making choices, it's the dream. This is the dream. So my perception of myself is based on God's judgment, not Judy's. 
I no longer think. I'm the thinker. I no longer think I'm the one that's doing anything because I'm a, I'm a speck. <laughs> I'm a little speck. There's nothing to me. You blow me, dust to dust, blow me away. And the central lesson I just doesn't escape me either because, you know, the belief that I can be attacked, that I can be hurt in the body, is the belief in sin. The belief that I can be hurt, that I can be, that I can die, that I can be destroyed, is the belief in sin and sickness and suffering. And if I believe that, I'm identifying with the body, and I'm not making any progress here. I have to identify with who I am in truth, capital truth. I am the way, the truth, and the light. I am it, capital it, itself, in its oneness and its unity, joined with everything in a holy relationship, in holy encounters with everything, everything, everywhere, all the time. Or I've forgotten who I am, and I've given more importance and more priority to Judy's thinking. Judy's feelings, what Judy wants, what Judy likes, what Judy prefers, which is all just personal interpretation and distortion of reality, according to what the text is teaching us. I have to recognize how God created me in truth. So, dream figure, sick and separate, no more real, to behold, as healthy and beautiful ones, unity alone, oneness alone, is not a thing of dreams. And it is this God teachers acknowledge is behind the dream, beyond all perception, all seeing, and yet surely ours. Amen. The end. Here I go, there I go. Thank you, Ecclesia. <laughs> Amen. Uh, Amen. Thank you. Um, thank you, Judy. I wanted to say Good that... Oh, yeah, it is good. And um, paragraph five, the thing that I really loved about this paragraph is that um, when our usefulness as bodies is done, they're laid by. That's all. And that God's voice will tell us when we have fulfilled our role, just as his voice tells us what our function is. So it just became so very clear that <clears throat> that it's uh, and that takes the fear of death away. It's you know when when we're done here, it will be okay. We can exit our bodies and we'll know that. Uh, good. What what does it say in the word? Well done, good and faithful servant. We'll we'll know that. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Robin Marie. I oh, love, thank love, you, love, Robin love Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. We are the resurrection and the life. Yes, we sure are. This is Anna, and I just wanted to. Um, I, I just so identify with what you're saying, Robin Marie. You know, it's it's like um, 
you know, like my share earlier in the call was um, when I look at it and, um, and in the meditation period of the lesson this morning, you know, when I, when I looked at that, I saw a lot of confusion. And, of course, confusion is always of the ego mind um, because when I'm functioning, functioning from spirit, there's clarity and certainty. And, you know, it's, it's, it's true. We all have a special function. And when the body is used as a communication device for God, um, when that purpose is aligned with truth rather than um, all of the things, other values, false values we give to it, you know, things become easy, they become simple, they become clear and certain. And, and you know, for, for whatever reason, I have uh, this function uh, of sharing the love of God. You know, there's two functions. I have forgiveness and sharing the love of God. And, and for me, that's the purpose of my existing or continue to exist in form. And um, I don't know the whys or the hows, but Jesus, who I identify as Jesus, which is nothing but Christ consciousness, communicates with me. And I share that communication um, with everyone, you know, in my writings and in groups like this. And, um, and as long as my body is being used as a communication device for the truth, it will continue to exist for that holy purpose. And, um, and of course, the closer we get to the truth, I, I experience the an ego getting more ferocious because it's, it's fighting for its life. And it seems to express that in my body. And that's okay. That's okay, because I, I know what the truth is and I know what my function is. And as long as I'm in service to the truth, I have nothing to fear, nothing to be upset about. Um, I just uh, begin each day aligning my mind with God and asking God, what would you have me do? You know, what would you have me say? And then my mind is, the thoughts of God are delivered to my mind and I record them and share them. And it is a, it is a place of unity because um, it's like a blending of, of form and content. You know, the content of what I share is all Jesus, but the form in which it appears is Lana. So it's a blending of form and content and it comes through as a, a present state of awareness. You know, it's, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it always is for my learning as well. It's for my learning primarily. And then in the sharing of it, that not only is my gift to God, but it strengthens it within me and hopefully within anybody who reads it. Um, and so I, I can stay in a state of gratitude knowing that this body 
in all its, um, you know, in all of its craziness or adventures, serves a holy purpose. And I, I need only to focus on that and not on the ego's temper tantrums that seem to show up in my body. You know, I just have to let it be and trust in God. And then, you know, I'm always healed, always. You know, it's, it's like, you know, what you were saying, was it Robin Marie about Holy Spirit, maybe it was Karen, knowing, you know, knowing everything we need and providing for that. And if I'm honest, you know, when I look back on my life, you know, and I can see that there hasn't been one single experience Um, whether it be good, bad, terrifying, ridiculous, that God has not gotten me through. Um, And I know that's true because, you know, here I am speaking to you right now. And um, that assurance, that 100% or 1,000% batting average of Holy Spirit, you know, how can I not trust that, that it won't always be there to serve me? When my mind is in service to the truth, when I keep it there, and and when I forget, you know, forgiveness is just a thought away, just one little thought away, to bring me back to peace. So, uh, this this whole section is such a uh, affirmation of the truth of us, and um, I just want to just keep digesting it and keep bringing it in and making it real and practicing it and and doing what I'm called to do. And that's where I find my peace, too. So anyway, I'm, con- I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Oh, thank you for sharing your wisdom, Lana. It was just splendid. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, uh, uh, this is Jessica. I I love the sec the, the paragraph. I think it's paragraph two where he says, um, um, "God's teachers appear to be many, for that is the world's need. Yet being joined in one purpose." the one they share with God, how could they be separate from each other? And, you know, I, I, I like the idea that all of us on the call and so, so, so many other of God's teachers who appear to be many are really just one. You know, it's like another part of the book where he says that the qualities and characteristics of, of others are actually ours too and that we can celebrate them so you know if i think oh gee this other person you know i've always i've always kind of wished i had uh, a voice like Joan Baez and um i don't but i can Joan Baez's voice is is mine in the sense that we are one and our voices together and our minds that go out into the world and um are ministers of God, we are what, um, even though we appear to be many. Um, one thing I did want to, you know, one thing that always has sort of tripped me up about this section is uh, the part about 
not dying because I I kind of feel like when he says let's see the um I guess it's is it paragraph six yeah um yet they are not uh well is that paragraph six well well anyway wherever he says um the body does not die it is just laid aside I don't really understand the difference. You know, if I consciously choose that it's time to lay my body aside, it just, to me, it seems just like a euphemism for, you know, the body is dead. My spirit has moved on to a different reality and is no longer having any use for the body. It's just another way of saying that the body has died. So I don't really understand why, you know, why that he's making the point that the body doesn't die because the body doesn't go on, the spirit goes on. Anyway, I'd love to hear what others think about that. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Jessica. I think um, this is Lori. <clears throat> I'll, I'll round about my way to that. Um, I believe, uh, first of all, you know, I was an oncology nurse, so you can imagine I probably attended many people, many beings, many beautiful souls uh, that laid their body down. And for the sake of observation, uh, just pure observation, I can say that that transition, uh, that transition is holy. It's utterly and totally holy to watch a soul go home. And when that happens, of course, to see that body, you know instantly that what enlivened it was the soul. And without the soul, Uh, It is not enlivened, purely Um, not enlivened. So that's for the sake of observation. But for the sake of life, uh, I want to say this. Um, You know, I've I've shared many times about those long lost years in the dark night, still knowing uh, that, that... home was where I belonged and experiencing life as not home which is what made it dark and I was still entrapped to a degree of ego that said that that embraced the idea that it's possible to be home and yearn for home and experience life as an absence of home that tells me right there that life for me during those years was um, a struggle to get free from ego awareness that said it's possible to know the truth but not live it okay and so um, I believe that there is this transition for the teacher of God to move from the holy instant the holy relationship and the holy spirit 
to a place where the recognition life is in the now, always in the now, always in the now. And in the now, this is the kingdom of heaven. And to live from that awareness is what he means when he says to me, child of God, you were created to create the good, the beautiful, and the holy. Further, he says in many places that the extension of the kingdom is my function <clears throat> on a personal personal level, <clears throat> excuse me, on a personal level, that arrives to my awareness uh, many times, not just once. And it's the many times that um, helps me to recognize that while this world is not your home, the kingdom is, the kingdom is always now. And so that paragraph where he says to let God's voice speak through it to human ears is always arriving, you know? Um, always arriving in the now. And the purpose of the holy relationship the Holy Instant, the Holy Spirit, is purely one of sharing. And so to um, to allow God's voice to speak through me is to allow God's voice to say words that maybe have no personal meaning to me whatsoever, but they have tremendous meaning to someone with whom I'm, I'm sharing at the moment. You know, it's always a now thing. And when I'm in the now, where is home? You know, it's not somewhere else. It's here and it's now. And I recognize on a moment-to-moment basis when I'm awake, when I'm awake and paying attention, that the kingdom is always now and that my passage through time and space is not random. I have a purpose that my soul shares with God. And that's, um, that's, I'll tell you how it works, you know. Like Lana said, you have words that come and you put them on paper and you share them. For me, it's more like I'm in a situation and something needs to be said and I don't know what it is. And next thing you know, it's said and it reaches someone in a way that means something really big to them. I didn't know that, nor do I need to know that. Um, But then later on, that person will say to me, oh man, you know, whatever. And I recognize that's my purpose. I have a purpose. So no longer do I feel like this tremendous yearning, uh, this deep longing. My father wants me to know that that longing can be satisfied all the time when I place myself in receivership you see um, as a receiver I'm a giver and when I'm in receivership I don't long I know you see and so that's how I escaped that um, long lonely road and so it's very precious to me um, to recognize that as a receiver I'm simultaneously a giver and that nothing is for me alone absolutely nothing is for me alone 
I used to think, you know, it was up to me to accumulate enough grace to soar. But no, no. Soaring, soaring is something that lifts up the whole sonship. And it's on a moment-to-moment basis uh, that we each make that contribution. They talk about Indra's net, you know. And and in Indra's net, there's this image of all these holy notes of light uh, that are extended from the mind of God. We each have a function to connect those notes of light, you see, by allowing receivership uh, to pass through us, um, to allow the body to um, be in receivership and to share. And, and as we share, these these connections between the nodes are lit up and uh, and unity is is more and more extended, you see. This is, to me, the function of the soul, the whole purpose for having come here. And just yesterday, you know, I've been, I've had body illness for a long time. And just yesterday I was thinking about, you know, there'll come a time when I can lay this down and and that will be really swell too. Um, But wait now, wait now, wait now. Someone, someone somewhere uh, needs me to stay and do my thing. (laughs) And that's, that's what makes the body holy. And, um, and in receivership, you see, uh, there's no need to be longing for fulfillment. Fulfillment is now. And uh, that's why, that's precisely why I am so grateful uh, for the opportunities we have every morning and uh, how we satisfy each other's longing in the here and now. And I'm complete. That was great. Thank you, Lori. Oh, Lori. Oh, Lori, that was wonderful. Thank, Thank you. you. What a Thank gift. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone on the call. Um, are you guys, anybody else want to thank Lori? Uh, this is Jen. I just wanted to share something. Okay. So um, being in these classes, um, for me uh, now, or more and more, is an act of action. What I'm um, not just, uh, I would, for years, I would just show up and listen. And um, I guess it's planting seeds in the dirt. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, let's let's be the farmer. <laughs> and um, so uh, I, I I went home last night. So as you all know, I'm massage therapist, and when I go to work, um, I, I'm really in that place of uh, giving, receiving, uh, being one with God. I'm very happy. I love where I work. I love what I do. I love being me at work. Um, when I come home, though, is where I'm haunted. And um, I, uh, for years and years and years, so I'm facing the haunts now with presence and with the Course of Miracles and the Course of Love. And I had a friend yesterday, um, so pertaining to the reading, oneness and, and sickness cannot coexist. I really, I really, really like that. And then in paragraph two, 
it is not really a change. It is a change of mind. Um, so I'm, I'm taking this opportunity now when I come home to have a change in mind. And, and, and in my alone time, my focus is to be one with God, not in the racket of the old um, and, you know, our, our sweet ego ways, right? Um, I, uh, and I say sweet because um, I, I don't want to be a victim or, or, or put something down that is just part of, of being in the human existence and um, or see myself as sinful for having one or uh, judge it anymore. I just, I just want to be one with God. And, and in that choice, it falls away. So I had a friend um, say, ask yourself this, Jennifer, what if you felt worthy? Uh, what if you felt worthy? How would that feel? And I was like, ooh, this is really good. And so I've been having, um, you know, this, okay, I want to write. So I, I, I started to, I came home, I had a, a healthy dinner with my sweet little dog, and I, I went straight to the table and I started writing about what it would feel like. <clears throat> and in that feeling brought, um, you know, um, a great sense of, um, uh, I had space uh, in my mind. Uh, I was experiencing um, choice to receive the moment, and then, and then I was in turn naturally doing the next right action in my thinking and, and, and doing. Um, I, I have battled addiction uh, for years, and with the Course in Miracles, Course of Love, and, and choosing to be conscious, it falls away because presence is of God is, is always with me. <clears throat> and um, it could be addiction to uh, thinking, you know, rants and stuff, and, and uh, thinking I'm a victim, thinking I'm being attacked by people. And <clears throat> But when I'm present, <clears throat> I got to be, oh, God, it was such a gift, you guys. My lesson was... Um, uh, to learn to uh, to give as I receive. Yes, today I learned to give as I receive. And boy, boy, did I did I get to do that yesterday. And um, so in my meditation at the end of the day, I just sat there and I felt my body like okay, it's a, just a, this nice big lump of clay, <laughs> and. <clears throat> And, and then I was in meditation, and I felt, oh, I just felt so good to be present. And then I started to commune with, you know, with God uh, sitting there. And all of a sudden, this big white light came to me. And um, uh, I could feel that it was a part of me. It was as if I had forgotten a part of me and it came back to me because because my choice is to more and more be present and and um, make that other choice which is which is my godliness 
I am I am not sinful. I am not the judgment. I, I am I am just love. And I and it was something that I couldn't experience unless I was willing to show up and be present in all those moments leading up. And so my prayer today for myself and for everyone here is um, that we all just drop that we're not worthy, that, we're, that we are worthy, and, and ask yourself, what does it feel like to be worthy? And then what, what do I do when I feel worthy? And to me, that was a whole lot of present time with that which I am, which is love, God. I'm complete. Beautiful, what a beautiful prayer. Oh, yes. so beautiful. Thank you, so much. Thank, Thank you so much. I loved your reference to to give as you have received because so many give because they want to be received instead of giving out of knowing that they have received. And where have they received? From God, her, himself. (laughs) From the Holy Spirit, her, himself. Um, And that's where the giving has to come from. And when I give from that perspective of giving, because I know I have received directly from my creator, there's no expectation of anything coming back. I'm complete. Beautiful, Sandra. Thanks, Sandra. Uh, thank you, Sandra. And thank you, Jennifer. Um, that It was really, really wonderful to hear everything you said and and your practice when you come home and and being in the the mode of of feeling like everything that comes to you you're deserving of it's, it was beautiful thank you thanks Jessica thank you Jessica. still time before we um and the recording for anyone who hasn't had an opportunity to share yet. I'd love to hear from you. No, I heard you. This is Patricia. Mm. <laughs> the theme has currently been about the body for me. In November, I got guidance that every lesson will be applied with a foundational question of what is the silence within this body. I want to get to know the silence within this body. And that was a stunning redirection because I aimed the idea of silence as something I look at out there. It was a profound November. But that didn't end. Because when December started, I heard this one. Well, if you think that was good, hon, now we're going to learn how this body never dies, which somehow is connected to my sister in the call referring to that. Well, I was bewildered as much as she was. What? (laughs) Now, well, 
we're going to listen to the silence between things in your body. Well, November got me hearing my heart beating in different ways. It got me, oh, you can't believe what I learned. But then when I got told, you're going to apply these lessons to how the heart talks to the kidney or how the bloodstream speaks. Where is the silence between these things that occur inside this body? And that the body of uh, seven acres that I live on called Amazing Grace is going to do something to let you know it will appear to die. Because all fear-based structures are dissolving, my dear. So let that be something that gives your ego trust as we enter December. So here I am in a little cabin in the woods. And uh, there are other buildings off and uh, surrounding and uh, as the month entered with this theme, I watched my body go into uh, a fever. And all those things with the head and the throat and the voice and tossing and turning, what do I do next? And no food will stay down now. And the beauty of this course is the lessons were like my spirit floating above my body saying, now, this isn't here for you to avoid this, honey. It's for you to embrace it. So as I went through saying no to so many that called so many stories, saying yes to this fever in my body, Ten days later, I wrote this. I think you guys wrote it for me. Waking from the fever. Waking from this fever, the cabin is still here. With the garden out there, waking from the fever with what never left. The forest is still here, waking from the fever. The forest is still here with no one out there, waking from the fever with what never left. The tenants have departed while I was sleeping. All the tenants? Oh, yes, my dear. Waking from the fever with what never left. The farm, it's still here. As buildings abide in emptiness, they are. The farm's still here as buildings abide in emptiness, waking from this fever with what never left. The body's still here. My temple, 
my sanctuary oozing sweat, tasting this salty ocean of love, shedding all my old skins on the bed, waking from the fever with what never left. The heart still here, endlessly mothering my soul. Another cup of tea, take time, make that broth. Waking from the fever with what never left. The mind ill here. Light now shines behind the eyes. Light behind the eyes appear. Waking from this fever. And now this fever at rest declares I am so proud of this job well done. The self still here, ever deeper life. Completed by God is every breath. Bubbling stream of silence survived. I am God's sanctuary, things my bones. Completed by God is every breath. Waking from the fever with what never left. Thank you. Amen. Oh, Patricia, that was so beautiful. Gorgeous. I feel it. Oh, lovely. You took me right to heaven, Patricia. Thank you. Yeah. Patricia, you are heaven. <laughs> yeah, that was beautiful. Thank you. That which is awake now is celebrating that beautiful poem. Thank you, thank you. And this very moment to be living. Amen. Any final shares? You guys are taking me all over the place this morning. I'm sure loving it. I love the way you talked about the silence, Patricia. And um, and the Course talks about that very, very beautifully in Chapter 24. Um, I have it here somewhere. Chapter 24 in Section 6. In that section, he describes the silence as um, the Christ in you is very still. The section title is The Resolution of the Dream. And that would be why unity alone is not a thing of dreams. 
Uh, but given that you took me straight to heaven from there, uh, I landed over in Course of Love, the return to unity and the end of thought as you know it. That Christ in you that's very still, he says, your heart is the well of spirit from which true answers are drawn. I'm reading in the dialogues in chapter 11. Your heart is a full well, a wellspring from which you can continually draw with no danger of ever drawing an empty bucket. You need never thirst again when you have accepted this. You need never seek again for answers when this has been accepted because you'll know and fully accept that the answers lie within. We together, we together are the sacred heart. Think of that. We together are the well of spirit. We together are the shared consciousness of unity. In our union, we bear the sameness of the Son of God. In going forth with the vision of union we bear, you, bec you become as I was during life. Here's the thing. You do not think your way through life, but instead draw your knowing forth from the well of spirit, from the shared consciousness from which these words are given and received. Um, the central lesson, what you use the body for, it will become for you. And in that well of spirit, that well of communication, that well of ongoing dialogue that the Holy Spirit carries out with us. Um, we need never wonder. We need only stay in communication. Remembering that the separation was not a loss of perfection, but just a failure in communication. With that restored, through the silence of the Christ within, uh, the Sacred Heart does everything. The Sacred Heart does everything. I loved how you said that, Sandra, a verb. Um, so thank you all. Thank you all for using your fingers and dialing that number and uh, your ears to listen and your voices to read and, and everything we offer each other is from the one mind that we can strengthen our shared well of spirit. And I'm so very grateful. I'll end the recording, but customary that we continue. So thank you, everyone.